0: This is Irish Illustrated Insider Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. Notre Dame hosts South Florida this weekend, South Florida 4-8 and eight last year, coming off a not a real decisive victory against the Citadel. This is a tough day. This is a tough read for Notre Dame preparing for South Florida. New head coach, new coordinators, uh, opening against a triple option team and about 16 transfers contributing as well as a few offensive linemen that didn't play last week. They're expected to play this week. It's a good thing South Florida was a bad football team last year because it's a real guessing game for Notre Dame.
1: Yeah, it's
2: kind of the impetus of my question. I mean, how many film pieces of film did he watch the quarterbacks from Elkhorn state from two years ago? Uh, the, the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator didn't rarely do, are you not with the head coach, right? When you come over in these situations, it's, it's all new stuff. And, and the Citadel I forgot about that part (laughs) that's uh they're no good so that helps a little bit for Notre Dame because that could be an issue if this was if this was Duke's personnel with all these new things you'd probably be an issue
1: yeah it's and you know just speaking offensively I mean they they threw the ball for like 100 yards last week it was not not impressive in that realm at all and then you know offensively what what schemes are you running is it is it FAU is it Clemson is a Alcorn State I, you know, I'm assuming that's going to be a lot of FAU and slight Clemson but just without the personnel of Clemson to deal with so it's I mean I think it's it, it may be like the beginning of the Duke game um, potentially if South Florida comes out with a plan that Notre Dame has to take a punch and then counterpunch the rest away but it, I think that certainly we've seen with Clark Lee is as soon as he counter punches and figures out what you're doing then he does not have a lot of trouble communicating that to his players and adjusting immediately. So that's, you know, if South Florida doesn't get up on them or if Notre Dame's offense is a slow starter again, then, you know, maybe the game's close in the second quarter, but it's, you know, you could schematically do all sorts of fun stuff, but their personnel is not, not good.
0: Yeah. South Florida rushed for 300 yards, but that was against the Citadel. Jeff Scott, the new head coach said earlier this week that, they're going to have to throw the football against Notre Dame to be effective. If they have to, if Notre Dame puts them in have to throw situations, they are not equipped to do that successfully. You know, they last year, I mean, Brian Kelly can talk about their big offensive line and getting their guys back, but they gave up 45 sacks list last year. So there are some issues up front there. They also allowed 209 yards rushing per game and like four and a half yards per carry. And that was with two defensive ends that they liked a lot that they, that I read, uh, you know, two of the best in the, the history of the South Florida program. So um, they are missing key personnel. They are missing enough personnel, depending upon how much those 16 transfers can can contribute. We'll see if they can bridge the gap. But, I, you know, I, maybe I'm reading too much in the listening to Jeff Scott talk about his team, but. He, he's still talking about how to, how to teach them to practice on Tuesday during game week. So, and, they, and you know, they've had some discipline issues that they've had to clean up and he said he looks forward to the day when he can go into this game as a, as an underdog uh, or, or a favorite, you know, where they could be expected to win. He says, we are not there.
1: It's a, I mean, it's a huge rebuild there. That program was completely busted by the end of the, the Charlie strong era. So it's, they got, they got a ways to go. I mean, years to go, not, this isn't one of those games where like, well, Chase Bryce might be better in November than September. This is like South Florida might be good in 2023. Um, so which, don't they still play Notre Dame in 2023? This, uh, Three game oh, deal?
0: They do. Yeah, they do have a three game deal with them. Is that is that pickup in twenty twenty three then?
1: I can't remember what the years are. You know, they go to Tampa and then South Florida comes back up here at some point. But I think well, it's if it.
0: they get look, if they get better in any way, Jeff Scott will be gone onto a you know a, be, a better program. <laughs> be so. head coach
1: early Weiss Jr.
0: Yeah, that could very well be Charlie Weiss Jr. Returning to Notre Dame Stadium for the first time since he was a sixteen year old on the sideline with his father. Irish Lister did a piece on Charlie Weiss Jr. yesterday. Pete, I know that you visited with him months ago. He's really a, I mean, he's really an interesting young man. I mean, he, his experiences in the the pedigree that he has in the coaching world is just absolutely off the chart. And he's creative and he's very fast paced. And I would imagine that he can create some issues for for uh, Notre Dame's defense. But Clark Lee's seen a lot, and I wouldn't expect that uh You know, a a new offense with new personnel, there has to be growing pains against a defense that's coordinated by Clark Lee.
2: I feel like tempo will be their best weapon. Um, I really think they're going to go with the Alcorn State transfer more because he's such a good athlete. Um, If Jeff Scott really wants to try to pass and get behind because he's passing, then I'll be wrong. But, um, you know, the way that – I mean – you got to steal some points, right? You got you to steal some points with the running quarterback. You have to steal some points in special teams. They, they're they going to have to have something in special teams to uh, try to surprise Notre Dame, whether it's that, you know, momentum onside kick or uh, whatever you can do in this situation as a big underdog. What's odd to me is the, the over-under keeps coming down from 52, so they must not think... So, to 48. That's a lot. So they must not think South Florida is going to score. Yeah, long. it's because not Notre getting 35, right? <laughs> well, it's not
0: because <laughs> yeah. the odds makers think that uh, South Florida is going to shut Notre Dame's offense down. No,
2: no.
1: So, yeah, uh, it, it, I don't know. It. I agree. It's like that's why I asked Brian Kelly just about the if you want to sub more in tempo, you could run. You could sub yourself into a mental error or two or three. Maybe there's a bust there. Certainly, I think that, you know, as Brian Kelly referenced, like, hey, we've played Wake Forest. Um, we sort of haven't figured it out. I think on, the, on their first 11, they'll be fine. I think it's once you get into the, the second 11 on defense, if you really want to get snaps for Cam Hart, Howard Cross, Paul Mawala, um, you know, Houston Griffith, and DJ Brown, like, I think once you get down to that, you know, players with less experience, you you could run into a, a hiccup, and you know maybe turn a player loose.
0: But certainly over four quarters, and I know you know Notre Dame fans are going to be looking for a dominant performance from start to finish. But over the course of four quarters, with the depth that Notre Dame's willing to play now at virtually any position uh, except what offensive line, I mean they're 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 willing to substitute anywhere other than the offensive line. Right. So uh, I I would you know I don't want to. I don't want to underplay South Florida too much because the element of surprise and tempo, as you said, Tim, I think those are, those are their two best friends, but, uh, you know, Notre Dame, especially Notre Dame on defense, Clark Lee has had no problem adjusting on the fly contrary to Notre Dame's offense, which oftentimes has to wait till halftime to make adjustments. Clark Lee doesn't have to do that.
2: It's very hard for bad quarterback play to beat Notre Dame in the Clark Lee, Mike Elko era. Um, I mean, Shea Patterson had the, the best day you could have in that weather. He he made every play he had to make, and that was probably the most frustrating thing about it is that Ian Book could didn't do those things. But what what bad quarterback has beaten Notre Dame in this? I mean it's been Fromm, Fromm, Lawrence. Patterson had a good day considering the rain. I mean, I guess Miami had nothing to do with the quarterback, but that's that was just a <laughs> Yeah,
0: total they're, quarterback. Quarterback. I mean, Program they're...
2: Race plant. So I'm not, you know, I just yeah. don't see I don't I don't see uh like Chase Bryce. With a running game that would, if Chase Bryce was the alternate quarterback with a thousand yard rusher like um, Noah Johnson, I was going to say Jackson, Noah Johnson, then you might be wondering a little bit, right? But this is, it's just very hard for a one dimensional team to beat Notre Dame's defense.
0: I, I have some connections removed to uh, David Cutcliffe and he came out of the Nordame game feeling very good about his team. He thinks that they – and a lot of it has to do with Chase Bryce and, and some of the standouts they have on the defensive side of the ball. But they feel like they're definitely heading in the right direction. So, I mean, all things considered, you know, Notre Dame, for all the comparisons about, well, they didn't destroy Duke like they did last year, Notre Dame was like – they gained like 28 yards less than they did last year against Duke. They actually had three more first downs than they did last year against Duke.
2: You can't start like that and have people think you played well. That's no, there's a, no a, doubt. There's in, the, there's in the opener too. In the opener, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's
1: a hell of a first impression.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was rough to watch, man. The first rewatching that first quarter was as bad as watching it. I, last. Mean,
1: it's this, I think we talked about this on Monday, but it's the same reason in October people were still asking Brian Kelly about like uncertain linebacker play is because they started so poorly at Louisville, like. Linebacker had long been figured out since then. Yes, he yes, really you know, had. It was No, that that could be the case with Notre Dame's offense. Um, you know, I'm super interested to see how Ian Book takes a step forward or or sideways or back. You know, we'll see. But, you know, if, if he can get this be way more efficient with the short stuff, which he is capable of doing, the offense would look totally different.
2: If he if he takes a step back, we're gonna have
1: some very, very strange podcasts this
2: season. Because that you cannot take a step back from what he did at his I agree. Level I, just, level. I, was, I know I was you're talking about all the possibilities how, for the sake of how many step forward can he? If it's only one, people will be upset. If it's majors, then you know what? You kind of erase what happened there.
0: Well, but. if he's the same or takes a step back, he deserves all the criticism that's going to be lumped upon him because there's just no reason for that. A couple of topics off of what we've been talking about here that I want to address before we get to segment two. Dion Colsey, there's a lot of talk about Deion Colsey now ultimately ending up at Notre Dame. That's not how it normally works when a guy decommits and has been decommitted for this long. Uh, but it sounds like long term, this might work out for Notre Dame. Maybe the pandemic and the whole situation involved there has something to do with that. Uh, maybe that's one good thing that comes out of the pandemic, but... If Notre Dame gets Deion Colsey back in the fold, uh, that's pretty significant in the recruiting class of 2021.
1: Yeah, especially if they they pair him with uh, Lorenzo Styles and Jaden Thomas, because not all of them are going to hit. And we've been saying this forever with recruiting. I, I, Notre Dame needs to move beyond like, well, would you rather have Chris Tyree or Will Shipley? No, it's and. So it's yeah. do you do you want to have Colsey or Styles? Colsey or Jaden Thomas, no, I want and, I want all three there, and then you figure out who's good once they get to Notre Dame, um, so yeah, that's, to me, that's the big significance of the of this turn.
0: And, re- and real quickly, I want to hit on the Big Ten, uh, preparing to start playing football again in, in week three of October. I'm going to warn everybody, we did not take any questions about big picture, what the Big Ten coming back is, because... We don't know, are they going to be included in a playoff situation? I imagine they are, but they're starting a month, more than a month, like six weeks later than what the ACC is. So we don't know how that's all going to shake out. But I did just want to comment about the Big Ten apparently being back in it. I think in the grand scheme of everything, it's the more football that can be played safely is good. Uh, I, I, It's really now in, in reflection on this and how it all unfolded did it really have to happen this way
2: no no no. we talked about that when they came, when no. they jumped the gun there was no reason at that point to call the season the pac 12 is different they're a different situation there was no reason for them to call the season when the acc all of a sudden right after you go yep we're playing so clearly the big 10 could have waited
0: and now the pac now the pack 12 is hinting that that might happen as well if they can if they can see through all the smoke, I guess it could play out west.
1: Yeah, different scenarios, different. right? Yeah, I want to watch Ohio State, Michigan, but the Big Ten, if they were more organized, would be starting next weekend. Right. Like with the SEC. Yeah. That that is the organizational folly of this whole thing from the Big Ten perspective. The
2: Pac 12 cannot come back because they are not playing football if I am not involved in the Manhattan Beach trip. So they will, they are not coming <laughs> that back is, that is, this, is this,
0: disallowed. O'Malley says disallowed. Segment two, Burning Up the Boards, coming back.
1: Indiana Dunes Tourism, located between Chicago and South Bend in northwest Indiana, is a proud supporter of Irish Illustrated. Extend your Notre Dame visit with a trip to the nation's newest national park. Visit indianadunes.com.
0: Segment two, Burning Up the Boards. We start with a question from Irish Guy 8282 Best story from 2011 game between Notre Dame and South Florida. O'Malley, you're the man to answer this.
2: I mean if it's not food related and the weight can, total, it, the it, aggregate it, aggregate weight gained in the press box that day would it be can a be lot
0: of food whatever you want it to be
2: no no there's an actual story but I'll, i don't want to go too deep into it cuz you know you're never really vetted all of this but the, from everything i heard that it was the delay the major delay that put Tommy Reese in the game that there was an issue with Dane Chris Brian Kelly Charlie Molnar some right something in there is what All of a sudden, Brian Kelly was like, no, all right, flip it. Reese is going in. And, I mean, that was pretty much – so that weather basically ended Dane Chris' career in South Bend. (laughs) The the second half probably would have anyway, but I'm just saying, it's not like he wasn't going to pull the trigger. But
0: That tells you that Brian Kelly already had an idea in his mind that he wanted to do it, right? So if it didn't happen at halftime, it might happen in the first series of the third quarter.
1: Yeah, we had – Matt Matt Fortuna and I sort of did like a – a lighthearted oral history of that game today uh, on The Athletic. I talked to Chuck Martin about it and Captain Lewis Moore, and uh, Matt had some interesting insight. I think it was Mark Snyder, who was USF's DC, about like the pregame and what that was like. Uh, but my my favorite memory was a tweet, and I don't know who sent it, but it was at halftime when the clouds were really gathering, and it was like ominous stuff, like Ghostbusters storm clouds, and somebody <laughs> tweeted, there is no Dane, only Zool. And I was like, that is, that's the tweet of the day right there.
0: There was, tw- there was Twitter in 2011? Yeah, there was Twitter. I had it It's hated... it
1: not the cesspool it is today.
0: Yeah, no, I don't, and nobody had informed me yet of that, I don't believe. Question from EJ Hattrop. There seems to be a huge gulf in what fans and slash journalists took away from the Duke game versus talent evaluators. What do you think accounts for that? I don't know that that applies to us. I, I think our initial reaction, like everybody else at the game in the first quarter, was what it was. But by the end of four quarters, I think we felt a lot differently about what had transpired. What are the,
1: I, before we get into the answer? Like, what did the talent evaluators say? That's what I'm, I'm not. Let sure.
0: the Sorry. offensive line graded out really, That's really cool. well, which it probably did after the right. first three drives.
2: As was the number one line of the week, Pete, for Pro Football Focus, so I'm sure that's what he's thinking of. Uh, Tommy Tremble was a top five tight end for the week, and people remember his drop pass or tough pass, Wow, he had some so.
0: missed blocks, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, um, I he graded out can... really,
2: really high as a run blocker, too. Um, so I think it's those type of things. But to be fair to the talent evaluators and fans and journalists, Ian Book was the second-to-last-rated quarterback in the country. So everybody kind of agreed on that one.
1: I, you know, I sort of view it as, like, it's such a limited – I think there were four power five, power five games last weekend. It's not a huge sort of data pool to pull from. Um, Yeah. I don't know. It's like, I thought the offensive line was, it's the first impression game, right? I thought the offensive line for the game was, was okay. Okay. Pretty good somewhere in there. Um, But you know, for the first drive, it was not first three drives. It was not.
2: I think the offensive line as the game went on, watching it back for my film review made me believe they are going to run the ball well this year. Whereas after watching, all I could remember during the game was the first quarter. It's, I really think the first quarter has no, sullied everything for people.
0: I mean, Kyron Williams played physically and tough, yep. but he didn't get all his yards on his own. I mean, no, I mean things no. open up for him.
2: But he wouldn't have, I mean, if you want to look at like by numbers, they had twice as many stuffs as 10 yard runs. That's never good. It just seemed like after you throw away a quarter and they really started looking short yardage was good. I mean, they blew up. They had a, they had a screen set up that would make people think totally differently of Notre Dame's game, <laughs> where Ian Book misses Kyron Williams. It's just no doubt. I, yeah, I, I think I know what he's saying. Uh, but talent evaluators did not like Book. Um, they loved the offensive line, but it's. I bet when you look at every snap, those individuals graded well.
0: Well, I, I think that now we're assuming that anything that pro football focus puts out is gospel and I, I you know i can't say whether it's right or wrong per se because they're studying it from a different perspective than we are but right. i mean they also you know uh Tariq bracey bracy was like player of cornerback of the week or whatever way but the sample size was so small yeah you know that that i i think it's difficult to make such you know great declarations and proclamations but uh you know, respect their work, and it really kind of benefits all of us when somebody's studying it like I that. I agree.
2: Very, very quickly, you know who the offensive guard of the week was? Was it Aaron Banks? It was Tristan Hodge. Hey! No way! Yeah, they played Navy, and he picked people up and threw them out of the way.
0: I'm so. sure he did. I'm sure he
2: did. <laughs> uh, next from Schmoy. All right, it's got a series of questions on the offensive line blocking schemes, and I believe Tim Priester has a uh, vested interest in this. After asking Brian Kelly again today. What do you guys know about the change blocking schemes for the offensive line?
0: Well, I mean, they just felt like, and Brian Kelly did address this, and and, and when putting collective heads together, Kelly, Reese, and Quinn, that that's the best way to go. Talking to Liam, uh, I'm talking about an outside zone, you know, more outside zone runs, and talking to uh, Liam Eichenberg about it on Tuesday, um, you know, it sounds like somebody gave him his dessert back. That's how happy he is about about that, so – uh, just more of that and less pin and pull, but then in pressing Brian Kelly today, he said they're still going to do pin and pull. I, I think that I think that Chip Long probably had a greater package and variety of blocking schemes, but there's also something to be said to paring that down a little bit and being really good at what you do. And inside zone, mid zone, and outside zone is the basis for virtually everybody's successful running game.
2: And, uh, part of this question, I don't see how it would, but will it adversely affect their pass blocking?
0: Uh, I don't think that that plays a role whatsoever.
2: I like Leah Meichenberg. Leah Meichenberg gives good answers. He tells you – like, for him to say we weren't good enough at outside zone last year and all that, I I think, or he goes, even in previous years too. I think that's something most linemen won't won't say in that situation.
0: What are the pluses and minuses of switching to these? Well, I I think a a lot of it has to do with the running backs. I mean, when you have Tony Jones – who ended up having a really really nice 2019 season? You're not going to run a lot of outside zone. It doesn't make sense yeah. when you have Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree. Well, that's that makes a big difference. That's a huge difference. So, you know, it'll be interesting to track as we move forward. They were uh, it, it was almost exclusively zone running plays, and I think that that plays to Notre Dame's offensive line. It's a it's a big strong veteran offensive line. You want to moving horizontally or vertically? I think moving vertically plays to their strength, and I think it plays to the strength of of their running backs. Indy band 94, some argue that you make your biggest improvements between games one and two. Based upon what you saw in game one, give me the top three improvements you need Notre Dame to make in game two.
1: Uh, This will sort of trample over a question later, but Ian Book in the short passing game – that was way off. And this this stat kind of blew my mind. It's like when I'm watching the game, I sort of chart passes behind the line of scrimmage, zero to five yards, six to 20 and 20 plus is three different categories. Uh, Ian Book was five of 18 for 113 yards on passes behind the line of scrimmage. Obviously the, the beginner to Kyron Williams was there. So five of eight that, you know, not a good completion percentage. In his first season starting in 2018, he missed three passes behind the line of scrimmage all year. Oh he my was 53 gosh. of 56. Um, so that, that that's just got to be automatic. So that, that's probably my number one, two, and three improvement that I'd like to see this week.
2: Yeah, I, I'm with you because when Brian Kelly said he's got to hit the layups, that's what he used to say about Wimbush. I mean, Ian Book won the job because he's never missed a free throw, much less a layup. You know, the guy, I mean, the guy was so accurate. And and when, when Tim used to talk about his debut at Wake Forest, it's like, Oh, well, it's Wake Forest, but did you see what he did? I mean, the ball was perfect. That's what I want to see is Ian book. Perfect inside, as Pete said, inside five yards, be perfect. and be very good inside 12 yards.
0: That was 23 starts ago. I, you know, you just wonder what the mindset was. Um, You know, I mean, fast start, obviously that's at the, that's (laughs) the, at the front of the list, fast start. And then the wide receiver play has to be better. But I think in order for the wide receiver play to be better, you need Braden Lindsay back this week. You need, uh, you know, I I mean, you need Lawrence. I think Lawrence Keyes might be too late this year. He needs to be stronger. He he needs to be more explosive and more of a playmaker. I think Avery Davis really liked the game that he played last week. And then, you know, Javon McKinley's, man, you got to get open. And maybe, he's, maybe he has a better chance as a W than he does as an X.
1: It, you he does have, a be- he does have a
0: better chance. What's that, Pete?
1: Are you intentionally leaving out Jordan Johnson for your-
0: real? <laughs> <laughs> it didn't occur for me to say that. And by the way, that <laughs> stuff that you track, short passes, behind the line of scrimmage, feel free to send that on to us every week. So yeah, we we'll uh, yeah, we pass it along. We appreciate that.
2: Joey Salvatore. Brian Kelly mentioned the USF offensive line being one of the biggest they'll face. Do you guys see this as a problem for the Notre Dame defensive line or will pressuring the quarterback and stopping the run not be an issue Saturday?
0: I think the size could be an issue. I think a lot of it depends upon those three offensive linemen that didn't play, whether they're going to play this week. And I think that, you know, if you're South Florida and you're Jeff Scott, and there was any question as to whether those three offensive linemen couldn't play, or wouldn't be ready for Notre Dame if they played against the Citadel. I think they did the right thing. But size, uh, yeah, I mean, I could see the interior of Notre Dame's defensive line having some issues because there's a couple 335-pounders there. But over the course of the game, uh, pass rush is going to count for a lot. And, again, if they throw as much as Jeff Jeff Scott indicated that they're going to have to throw more and throw more effectively, it'll all balance out for Notre
1: Dame's defense. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Notre defensive line is in any danger of that matchup going against them. You know, I'm, I was pretty sure. I got to give you credit for it. you pointed out MTA is maybe moving up into more of a, a legit playmaker. And as I went back and watched last week's game a little bit more closely, I saw a bunch of flashes of that. So it's like if you have a playmaker at D tackle and the Kirk Heinisch played really well, um, you know, I thought Jason Adamilola had a one yeah. step where he really just showed great power and walked a guy back into the backfield. Like I just, I think I'm very high on Notre Dame's defensive line right now. And I, I just, I don't think anything South Florida or whether they have new guys back or not is going to make a difference.
0: CMU pens fan is DJ Brown going to be the solution at safety Saturday. If Kyle Hamilton is unable to play, or are we going to see Griffith and Pryor mixed in there as well? Tying that in with another question, if Kyle Hamilton is out of South, out for South Florida, any ideas how to best mask his absence?
2: I think South Florida's quarterbacking helps mask his absence better than any Notre Dame safety can. Um, I don't want to be too hard on DJ Brown because he wasn't expecting that many snaps and everything. and He'll get more, and when, with getting more, they could show his intelligence that Clark Lee kind of told both of you guys about in the offseason. But I, I think Brown will start if Hamilton doesn't. but. You can't make the guy go. We talked about a little bit of the incident analysis, Tim. You can't. He can't go sixty-five snaps for his first time, right? Why would you not do? <laughs> no. A Brown and I mean a Brown and Griffith rotation. Uh, Brian Kelly mentioned KJ Wallace today, and I mean DJ Brown bouncing off Chase Bryce like it was Tony Rice during that game was ridiculous. What do you? What are? And Houston Griffith that tackle attempt looked like the preseason tackle attempt on Kyron Williams. I, that no play has offended me more than Chase Bryce's twenty-three yard run with two safeties missing him.
0: That was that was, that was, was very Aubrey. late. It was very late in the game.
2: Who are you uh, to not make a play at this point? I, no, in your you. I hear, you. I hear you. For crying out loud. <laughs> make a tackle.
0: I think if anybody benefits from the mistakes that were made against Duke, it's a guy like DJ Brown, who's considered very smart back there. Knows what he's doing. I I, I think that he's in a position to to make the corrections and do the right thing. But look, if you're not, my I think you made a good point. Only the only poor quarterback can play can mask not having Kyle Hamilton there's no safety on Notre Dame's roster that's going to be able to mask Kyle Hamilton not being out there
1: yeah I think there's a lot of D.J. Brown he got 31 real snaps last week I'd probably expect him to get a little bit more and Houston Griffith's going to get a lot more than nine and then Cam Hart that was we found out he's the dime back he got four snaps last week that's probably going to go up to, to 10 to 12 too so Isaiah, I, I guess to answer the question about Isaiah Pryor, he got zero snaps at a time when Notre Dame lost a guy at his position. Yeah, K.J. Um,
0: Wallace. Brian Kelly mentioned K.J. Wallace this week. Exactly. I, I do not expect Isaiah Pryor to make an impact at safety. K.J. Wallace, I could see
2: that happening. Irish 1490, if Braden Lindsay is full go Saturday, how many touches would you like to see him get?
0: 17.
2: 12. Oh, I was going to say. No, I'm kidding. No, it would
0: probably, probably be more like six. You know, five or six. You you, you really have to considering his his background of getting banged up and the concussions. You really have to be smart about him, especially when you're playing South Florida. I would I'll say six.
1: I would go. If you could give me four, I'd be happy with as long as four <laughs> catches. like you know, a tunnel screen, a deep shot. You know, maybe some some common stuff. I mean they don't, they don't throw to the field receiver very much anyway. Um, but I just need they need somebody to make the defense respect you beyond twenty yards. You you're,
0: you're not wasting one of your jet sweeps or some of the more exotic stuff on on Braden Lindsey against South Florida. Unless you not need to win the game. Me. No, you're right, exactly. Unless you need to win the game. You're not. You're not. You don't need to call those plays for Braden Lindsay this week. You have to be smart about who he is and the big picture of the 2020
2: season. You could get him four to six touches. Though. <laughs> you, I mean, he can run. He can run a right, deep ball. Sure. You've got to take a couple deep shots at Braden Lindsay every game. It's not like you're you're saving. You're not hiding his speed from anybody. Um, and if Braden Lindsey can get deep, then he can get a comeback. He's got to become a wide receiver too. Um, as when you get to Florida State and Louisville. I want eight to ten touches against Louisville. Absolutely, or so points to beat Louisville.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. meant Braden Lindsay missed a significant amount of preseason practice. Right. You're smart, and we want. I understand that on a weekly basis we want instant gratification, but when you're coaching a football team, you have to have a bigger picture view of things. And Braden Lindsay getting you know ten touches this week would be, I think that would be foolhardy to do something like that. Brooks Beer won. If you were the offensive coordinator, who would be your starting wide receivers? I assume that means for this week because yeah. they do play one game at a time. <laughs> I mean, I mean, in the, big, in the grand scheme of it, it should be Kevin Austin and Braden yes. Lindsey. Avery Davis is your number one slot.
1: I would go with Davis in the slot. I would start Wilkins in the field, and then I would start uh, McKinley in the boundary this week. Well, but yes. they're
0: they are they're starting Lindsay.
1: Yeah, but Oh, yeah.
0: okay, but you wouldn't start Lindsay then. We're, we're trying I to spare a them,
1: you know, whether we're back in. It's hard to see Lindsay getting 50 snaps, you know. True. I'd, I'd sort of just split the reps there.
0: This, I, I um, think it's 3 for 2. Yeah, it's 3 for 2 at those two
2: positions this week. I'm not saying Brooks Beers is trying to say this, but Javon McKinley should start because Nordheim's going to run the ball with two tight ends and Javea McKinley's a good blocker. There's more ways to win a game. I mean, it's not like Braden Lenz is going to catch 11 passes if Javon McKinley gets off the field for the whole game. It's, you need what Javon McKinley does. And when you play Clemson, you better have better weapons than Javon McKinley. But right now, Notre Dame is finding itself. It's a two-tight end offense. I would rarely take two tight ends <laughs> off the field if I was Notre Dame. Just that's where they are right now.
0: I, I would start Lindsay at the X. I would go I would go ahead and start McKinley at the W and bring Wilkins in off the bench and have Wilkins play both positions and maybe have McKinley play both positions. That's why I say three three for two. Yeah,
2: three, I agree three for two. Um, but I, I am not in the get McKinley out of there because Joe Wilkins can catch passes and now, Lindsay's back though he's Mc- just, he he blocked.
0: He was we scared. have another question coming up where that where McKinley's going to come and play. But for right now we're going to go with Terry Benedict who says convince me I'm wrong that Joe Wilkins will lead the team in receptions and yards
2: this year. I think Tremble's going to lead the team in receptions. That was my uh, kind of preseason pick. So I'm going to stick with it now that Skoranik's out because I think he was your guys' preseason pick. Um, receiving yards. If Kevin Austin's not back playing until Louisville, it's very hard for him to win the receiving yards. I know. You know what? I'm going to go with Kevin Austin. It's still going to win the receiving yards. Oh. I don't think they're going to have that, well, to have that it, many yards until Kevin Austin no, gets it, back.
0: It could be dispersed enough over the first right. three or four right. games. Uh, and that we haven't really addressed that. Brian Kelly said Kevin Austin had a checkup. It was good. They're going to check him again in two weeks and determine whether he can be cleared at that point. Does that give him – that probably just gives him one week to get ready for Florida State. Not sure if that's realistic or not. I would say by Louisville there's a good chance.
1: I mean, it could be Kyron Williams for yardage. Yeah, I consider that, too. Oh,
2: wow. <laughs> I think Tremble will just get more catches than Williams, but I, your yardage is a good point. Yeah. I, I can see him.
1: I
0: don't I, – I, it's a little hard for me to see Joe Wilkins being a leading receiver and leading – I mean, he did some great things Saturday, but I'm not sure that – I'm not sure that the skill level is, is enough to lead Notre Dame in both those categories. I think but,
2: yards is the hardest by far for Joe Wilkins to get to in that – if you get three or four catches a game, you could lead Notre Dame in receiving if Kevin Austin only plays a half a year. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I mean,
1: Lindsay could lead the team in receiving yardage with like half the catches. That's yes. true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I,
0: I would agree with O'Malley though, that, I mean, Trumbull's just too easy of a target. Now, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's like Noah Gray. I mean, Noah Gray came into Noah gray average and he, he had a really good game against Notre Dame. Noah gray average 7.7 yards per catch last year. And he was their leading receiver. So a similar thing could happen with Tommy Tremble.
2: Now we have a couple of Ian Book-related questions from Not Jake Tefell. First, if you were Notre Dame's quarterback or offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, what would your game plan be to help Ian Book settle down and perform like he did in the second half of 2019?
0: Uh, Samson has the stats from...
2: Settle them down, Pete. How do you get settle them down?
1: I oh I mean I would just I would keep throwing the short stuff and right, just be like exactly. come on, man you can do this I, so I, that's my great coaching point for Tommy Reese come on man you can do this <laughs> it was it's like good. Brian Poley with Justin Hude yeah, right when we were good. walking off the field that day <laughs>
2: hey man yeah, exactly. just, make, just keep uh, making field goals that's good
1: I just I don't know I mean those those passes are there for him um, he can make them they have guys who can catch them I, I'm much less concerned about throwing the ball downfield than I am. Being a lot better at the short stuff.
0: Yeah, and obviously with Braden Lenz are back, the opportunities and possibilities of throwing the ball deep in, increase significantly.
1: As I, you know, I
0: still think. I mean, I still think that. I mean, you can do some stuff. Brian Kelly had mentioned that Lawrence Keys can play some X. You can you can throw him out there, run a, you know, run it, run run a deep route. Um, and I still think that, David Avery Davis, with his speed might be able to circle out of the slot position and, and open something up deep. So it should happen more. Obviously people are keeping a close eye on this because it isn't something that they've done a whole lot or done successfully.
2: Yeah. Reggie B 77 asked the second part of it. Will Ian book, throw the ball downfield. Oh, I'm sorry. Good... I thought you yeah. asked that. Or that's yeah, a good question to ask though, because I bet if you're watching on TV, you're just wondering where people open and my goal Saturday, at least for the first half is to watch and see if people are getting open. I'm going to stop watching Book and the offensive line and see if people are getting open.
1: Yeah. I don't know if, how you felt, Priester, but being there live last weekend, I, I did not think people were getting open.
0: I did not think people were getting open. Did I Did I spend the whole game studying that? There are just too many things on my plate as, as far as what my post-game work is to see yeah, all cool. of that. And then mm. the problem is the TV view. You're not going to see all that. So, um, I mean, this is this is... This is exactly the reason why you need more than one person per media outlet because (laughs) O'Malley O'Malley and I need each other feeding off of each other. I mean, we could still do it uh, socially distanced if they would just allow both of us in there, and I'm not sure that that's going to happen this year. ND 615, with the readiness of Michael Mayer and concerns at wide receiver, will my dream of seeing some plays with 13 personnel from somewhere other than the goal line become a reality this season? Man, if that's your dream, that's – you need to, you need to expand your dreams there a little bit.
1: <laughs> you're not poo this man's dream.
0: <laughs> Sorry, Andy, uh, 615, just kidding. You. I, you know,
1: no, I, I guess my feeling is no, but a mayor Tommy Tremble being more often as a 12 personnel group, that's something that you could see more of than I thought that you would a week ago.
2: Yeah. I think you're going to see a lot of it. Um, and there'll be plenty of 13 personnel in short yardage and goal line. It, it worked this time, although Kyron Williams made a heck of a play to make it work. But they had four tight ends in at one point. That's where Takis got his two snaps. I don't – you know, Brock Wright, they just don't target Brock Wright. It's an, I mean, I know he can make a couple plays, but he didn't get targeted once in that game. Like, there's, They have no wide receivers. Now, it'll be a Brock goal line. doesn't but, get targeted.
0: When he gets targeted, it'll be a goal line. It'll be the element of yep. surprise like it was, to, you know, a couple of years ago. Yep. You know, here's the thing. If, if
2: there's the point, like it was a right. couple of years ago. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if 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 Javon McKinley blocks as well as he has blocked on occasion, there's your thirteen personnel. Yeah. I mean, call it what you want. I know it only weighs like two fifteen or two twenty, but when he blocks as effectively as he did on Kyron Williams' twenty-six yard touchdown, you don't need the third tight end.
2: unless well, he kind of runs like he's two thirty, so that's fine.
0: On his pass routes,
2: you mean? Yes. Yes. And Irish fan, 88, over-under of two, number of times Kyron Williams' helmet comes off.
0: Was it – he went over last week, right, one to three? Yeah,
2: yes, it was quite a thing. Uh,
0: <laughs> well, actually, the question said after or during a play, and I think it, it included him taking it off after one of his touchdowns. Can you, you do that? You can take no, your helmet
1: off. That was the jump over the goal line, right? I mean, I did think it get it,
0: knocked, did it get knocked off. Then
1: got knocked off, but oh, one okay. time it got knocked off at a tackle, and like he was almost sort of under a pile, and it was off. Um, you
0: might want to might want to tighten that chin strap a tad.
1: kind of a jokey question we would ask if we were with Kyron Williams in the same room in person, but it doesn't really translate over Zoom very well. No,
0: but I, I, you know what? I think we can make that work now that we're getting a chance to to ask questions live, to raise our hand and ask questions live. I think. I think it was pretty good the other night, didn't you? The Thursday interviews?
1: Oh, the Tuesday, Our yeah. Tuesday
0: interviews, I'm sorry.
1: Yes, as long as people know how to unmute themselves on time. Know, yeah. I'm,
0: I'm still working on it. I'm still, <laughs> there's, a button
2: on, there's a button on the
1: screen I, today. Like, said, I
0: understand that, and I was, really, I was really good. I was quick on the draw Tuesday, but today, you know what I did? I reached for my fing- I reached for my finger and tapped it with my finger. That doesn't work. (laughs) Like
2: it was your computer, like your phone. Exactly.
0: Exactly. I tap, I tapped, and I tapped, and I it wouldn't work. Damn it!
2: That's user error, right there. I got to
0: use the cursor to do that. I'm getting there, man. It's still September. You got to give me at least until October. Bwac twenty nine. Brian Kelly said during the preseason that Riley Mills is too good not to see the field this year, despite the depth at the position. I don't remember seeing him against Duke. Was this because of a? I wasn't looking hard enough. B his position in the middle doesn't stick out as much, or C, he didn't get as much playing time as the other freshmen. I think it's D. Did
1: he get in? O'Malley can answer this one because he speaks Brian Kelly better than all of us.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was – he's going he's gonna to help us this year. means at some point this year he will play and he will help them a lot in practice. But they are uh, six deep at defensive tackle and nose tackle combined, um, five deep at defensive ends, working on six. And somewhere along the way, you'll see Riley Mills. That's how he'll help them.
0: They played eleven defensive linemen Saturday, yep. but apparently, twelve was w- would have been was needed here. But and no, I. Yeah, I, you know, I think you're right. I think everybody looks at Riley Mills, and and you know, you've heard what Brian Kelly has said, and other people that and uh, Sampson, having seen him up, uh, up close in an interview months ago, um, you know, I mean, he's impressive, but. <laughs> Patience. South Florida is uh just around the corner.
2: Riley Mills will beat someone out next year at some point in the middle of the year, just like Khalid Kareem beat out Jay Hayes because he got he became a better player, even though he was younger. But now he's just they have they have good defensive linemen that contributed last year and are gonna keep contributing this year. And so once someone gets hurt, then Riley Mills gets to gets to play. Other than that, I think it's uh there's no New Mexico's and Bowling Green's on the schedule this year.
0: Right. That, that hurts. Uh, but he'll be a good football player. He's yeah. a good football player. He'll be a guy that's going to make a sig- significant contribution at, for Notre Dame. Piper, two Irish, over under Jay Bramlett, 13 and a half yards rushing.
2: This is a good – there's a good reason to include this question. Not that he was the leading rusher in the first quarter, which was funny. But did anybody discuss at the time in that press box that Notre Dame needed a fake punt to get a first down? with Jay Bramlett because that's what I, t- I mean it was a great call but it was kind of unfortunate in the second quarter they needed a fake punt to change, turn the game around that's how they were playing
1: offensively
0: everything changed after that it
1: was amazing it was a tremendous call we know what was amazing to me one that they needed it but also that <laughs> Duke had their 11th guy late onto the field but that wasn't the reason they called it. But he happened to be inhabiting the place where that run was supposed to go. And it would have been very 2020 to be if, like, Duke screwed up, but that screw-up botched the fake punt because he, <laughs> he happened to be standing there. Good.
0: Is that <laughs> when, is that when Bramlett cut it back? The dude was flying yeah, off the sideline?
1: <laughs> um, that was supposed to be completely wide open. That guy wasn't <laughs> supposed to be there at all. By the way, Dylan That's... Gibbons with a block
2: on that one. That was some Yeah.
0: Somebody, I think somebody on Twitter asked about will Dylan Gibbons get more playing time. I don't think that he's going to unseat Aaron Banks, which is where he plays a left guard. But that was a that was a great block. Great for Dylan Gibbons. He's had very few uh, you know opportunities other than blocking on place kicks, and good for him.
2: Lost 6582. Do you think Brian Kelly will complete his contract extension or bow out early if he wins the national championship or a couple of New York six bulls?
0: That's an interesting question. I would, I would think a national title could certainly put a different slant on things. Cause he was talking about, uh, I don't know about New Year's day bulls, but I, yeah, I would think that if, as long as he's still healthy and enthusiastic, which he clearly is right now, um, you know, I, 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 if they don't win a national title, I think it's going to, he's going to keep trying through 2024.
1: You know, not to be like, Sarcastic about it, but if I was in a job where I was making six and a half million dollars estimated, I would probably want to keep doing that. I would a few more years. Um, you know, he's he's in a great spot. He's got the program sort of humming along, and he is very well compensated. So I would I would think that he would want to continue as long as as long as he has the energy and enthusiasm to do it.
2: Agree, but if Brian Kelly wins a national title, I will give him some advice: retire from coaching Notre Dame immediately after winning the national title because you will then never sell you anything that ever happened and you will be a legend at Notre Dame. Don't come so, back if you win a national title at Notre Dame in this era.
0: There was some speculation on our board about whether Brian Kelly would want to be athletic director at Notre Dame. I would say that there's a 0.1 chance percent of Brian Kelly wanting to be the athletic director at Notre Dame.
2: Higher or lower than Notre Dame in August playing in the ACC championship game? <laughs> Back in August when someone said, will Notre Dame play in the ACC championship game?
1: We're like, they can't get the ACC championship game. They're not even in the ACC this Still year. Still more likely than Brian Kelly as athletic director. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't think that Brian Kelly has any aspirations of athletic administration work. I, and I don't, that's not, I, we're not laughing at him because there's something wrong with that. I just don't think that there's any reason for him to want to do that. Yeah. especially if he. You know, after 2023, Pete, when he needs that extra six and a half million, and he snags in 2020. Pay cut for that job, too. <laughs> yeah. Significant pay cut. All right, predictions. I would have remembered, but O'Malley reminded me. Predictions from Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson on Notre Dame, South Florida this weekend.
1: I, you know, some of the same issues with Notre Dame this week are the same as last week, where I don't know if Notre Dame has the offensive skill power to blow out South Florida unless the offensive line mashes them pretty good but I think they're going to mash them better than they did last week um, I don't see South Florida scoring more than one touchdown so I'll go 41-10 a better looking more comfortable type of performance than, than what Notre Dame showed last week.
0: O'Malley you can go ahead and whatever your prediction was I know, you can you use it. He basically
1: did it again. Well, what's the <laughs> difference?
0: So what is the difference whether the guy from the athletic has the same pick as you?
2: I'm just saying. Well, that, the athletics fine. What about somewhere else? So 41. <laughs> I'm on 4114 because I think, and Pete kind of, you uh, kind of gave me this inkling earlier when the second and second and a half defense comes in in the fourth quarter and they're running up tempo with a running quarterback. That's a touchdown. That's where they okay. get that second touchdown.
0: That's that's a good point. But, but is okay. it, yeah, first of all, it's amazing that you guys would have the same score of mine two weeks in a row
2: and start the season. Birthday.
0: But uh, it it. W- one part of our prediction has become so easy because
2: yes you're right I mean the second yeah. part what is it
0: seven seven to, uh 19 out of 27 games that Clark Lee has been the coordinator have been 21 points or less I mean you you start with you start with 17 and either work your way and generally work your way back right or just a little bit forward of that
2: do you remember before we worked together if the two-touchdown rule I told you guys about, but it was Notre Dame's offense? Notre <laughs> Dame's offense against Power Five will never score more than two touchdowns. It's just oh, how yeah. people think is different
0: than your games. second touchdown rule.
2: Yeah, that's a good one. That's still yeah. Like this.
0: Yeah, that one's, those are both great. Those are great. I'll have my prediction in uh, tomorrow's uh, preview. I'm, but I have to say, I'm inclined to think that Notre Dame scores a little bit more than that 41. Not, not a ton more. Yeah, I mean, yeah, b- barely more. I haven't really been thinking about b- more than not like a whole sixty-five.
2: Lot more. No,
0: nothing <laughs> like that, and probably not fifty. But I, you know, I think Ian Book plays better. I think they're in a position to. I know Brian Kelly's very high on Glenn Spencer or what he's done in the past, but uh, you know, we heard that about Ohio State's or I, I'm sorry, Iowa State's defensive coordinator too. And Notre Dame scored thirty-three and it should have been fifty. So.
2: I want to leave you with this, Notre Dame fans. Guess who raked below Ian Book in passing last week? Oh, Brock Purdy, I bet. Brock Purdy, yes. Ooh, he was bad. He
0: was really bad, wasn't he? Yeah,
2: he was. I, week, I, I so do I,
0: not. I mean, I, I, I had great admiration for him going into the Camping World Bowl because he had a really good season, but I did not understand all the preseason love about, for, for Brock Purdy. I'm sure he's going to be better than he was last week, but, um, you know, he has some limitations too. This is, that's it. Irish Illustrated Insider. We appreciate you joining us.
1: Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.